0: Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us.
1: This is a statement of what we believe, written by our founder, Dr. Ernest Holmes. We believe in God, the living spirit almighty, one indestructible, absolute, and self-existent cause. This one manifests itself in and through all creation, but is not absorbed by its creation. The manifest universe is the body of God. It is the logical and necessary outcome of the infinite self-knowingness of God. We believe in the individualization of the spirit in us and that all people are individualizations of this one spirit. We believe in the eternality, the immortality, and the continuity of the individual soul, forever and ever expanding. We believe that heaven is within us and that we experience it to the degree that we become conscious of it. We believe the ultimate goal of life is to be a complete freedom from all discord of every nature and that this goal is sure to be attained by all. We believe in the unity of all life, and that the highest God and the innermost God is one God. We believe that God is personal to all who feel this indwelling presence. We believe in the direct revelation of truth through our intuitive and spiritual nature, and that anyone may become a revealer of truth who lives in close contact with the indwelling God. We believe that the universal spirit, which is God, operates through a universal mind, which is the law of God, and that we are surrounded by this creative mind, which receives the direct impress of our thought and acts upon it. We believe in the healing of the sick through the power of this mind. We believe in the control of conditions through the power of this mind. We believe in the eternal goodness the eternal loving kindness and the eternal givingness of life to all. We believe in our own soul, our own spirit, and our own destiny, for we understand that the life of all is God.
0: For those of you who have been here from the beginning of the month, you know we're using how to change your life as a a vehicle, as inspiration, if you will, making changes in our own life. The, the first week of the month, we talked about each of us having a, an important and a powerful dream in our life, something that we want to move towards, something that we want to work, co-create, if you will, with God, this, this more powerful life, this more loving life, this, uh, this more generous life, whatever it is. And, and in week two, we talked about how to build a mental equivalent, how we can use the law of cause and effect to do that co-creation, to work with God, to move us in the direction of our hearts desire so why do you think in the very middle of this book it talks about what we believe it talks about those principles that that Sharon read for you well, I think they're there for a couple reasons. One, I'm sort of glad that we, we talk about it now and then, right? We're, we're here as a group of people, and in theory, we, uh, often I hear phrases, well, it's nice to be in a group of like-minded people. It's like, okay, so, so what do we have in like with each other? Do you know what I mean? It's nice to speak it aloud now and then. But I'll tell you, I think it's in the middle of this book for a very important reason. We talked last week about the idea of a mental equivalent, that we cannot just have one single idea of something that we want to change in our life. Let's say our heart's desire is to have maybe a more loving primary relationship. Maybe the the marriage or the the primary relationship is a little rocky, or maybe we don't even have one. So maybe our dream is a really solid and beautiful loving relationship. You know, it would be nice just to say, well, that's my idea. I'll just claim that. But as you recognize from last week, if that one idea is in conflict with a whole bunch of other ones, right? If, if somehow we believe that relationships seldom work out, or maybe our, our vision of a relationship is what our parents had, and you know that had its moments, at least my parents often fought as much as anything else. So if I have all these contrary ideas of what love in a relationship is like, if I just add Kind of one new idea onto the top of it. Chances are it's not going to be that effective. I'm here to tell you that that entire list of what we believe by Ernest Holmes kind of works the same way. And the reason that it's in this book, the reason that it's important within the context of learning how to live our lives on purpose with actual goals and faith is that this is how it's accomplished. It is those set of beliefs, if you take them as a whole, that is the mental equivalent for living on purpose. It's what we teach every Sunday, written up, if you will, as a set of guidelines or or, uh, the way to do it, if you will. And I thought uh, it would be even more interesting if I took just a few of those and actually explained about how these are the beliefs that will get us where we want to go. So I want to start with the first one. The very first one, in fact, that Sharon read. We believe in God, the living spirit almighty, one indestructible, absolute, and self-existent cause. Why just one, do you think? You know, there are many other religions in the world. Some of them have a whole pantheon of, of gods and goddesses, right? Even many of the native peoples will worship, you know, the sun god as well as the god of the harvest, as, as well as the god of the, of the herd. Why do you think in science of mind, somehow there's this idea of one power and one presence that's important? I tell you, I think it's because there's no opposition to it. I think it's because when we believe in one power and one presence, when we believe that the entire universe is rolled up into one consciousness and and one sense of power and love and joy, well, nothing can defeat it. There is no devil trying to get a, a different agenda pulled across. There is no opposing force that would that would try to have something different going on in your life. It certainly simplifies prayer, right? We absolutely know what we're praying to because there is only one thing. No matter no matter how we pray, no matter where we pray, no matter what it sounds like, right? If there's only one power and one presence, well, there you are. There's your prayer. <laughs> you. hardly need to speak it aloud. You know what I mean? Because we're part of it. That's the nice thing about defining God as all there is, is it includes us. And that leads me to the second thing that Sharon talked about. We believe in the individualization of the spirit in each of us, that all people are individualizations of the one spirit. And so each of us, if you want to think of it, is a, a God in miniature. Each one of us has the divine moving through us and as us. And I think this is like one of the most important lessons, if there is, or one of the most important beliefs that there is. Our desires are God's desires. Our our joys and our loves, our, our ability to do and to be is part of, of God. In fact, I want to suggest to you that without us, God could not experience humans' ability to love. Without us, God could not experience humankind's ability to be kind and have mercy. Without us, God isn't human anymore. We are the very instruments, the very hearts in the hands of God. And sometimes I, I get the idea that people think that our, our own desires are kind of petty, that our own, our, our own dream of a, of a life that's filled with love or goodness is, is just a, a kind of a base human feeling that, that maybe doesn't count as much in the world. I'm here to tell you it just isn't so. Even our desires are part of the desires of God. We are no less divine than than the bigger picture of God. We are no less worthy of the, the full measure of love, of life, of joy, of peace. We are absolutely divine, not only in, in how we're made up, not only in our potential, but also even in ourselves just as we are. There is a divinity in us because we are made of and part of that divine nature of God itself. And so... There's no reason even even as a, our fingers don't get upset with each other about who's who's more important to the hand or or do you know what I mean I mean sometimes we we get so wrapped up in our little ego idea of here I am as this separate little interesting person well well first of all I would say in the huge course of humanity each one of us isn't even that interesting I mean I I like to think that I'm interesting but probably mostly just to me and, and much in the, <laughs> well, there you have it. And, <laughs> and I would suggest that me thinking that my troubles are so very important, that my issues with life are, are so very taxing and, and, uh, and unique and things like that are a little bit like this finger finding itself so amazingly important over this one you know what I mean? When we think of our our body as a whole and then the individual pieces, it's almost absurd, right, that our individual fingers would be in war with each other or that our individual fingers would have a problem with the one next to each other. Like, don't talk to me. (laughs) And yet, and yet... This absurdity that I'm speaking of is rampant in the world. We so think that we are separate. We so think that everything outside ourselves is really outside of ourselves. Let us get back to thinking of ourselves as part of the body of God Part of that unique and wonderful creation that is all of the universe and and certainly we you know we have our own individuality, and that's good I'm, I'm glad I mean I would hate it if we were all the same, but we're all part of the same we all have this the same divine nature in our hearts we have the ability to have the full complement of love and life everything everything that god uh, you know it was interesting we used to do a candle lighting with the with the the kids uh, and i think we're going to do it on easter too so don't miss uh, don't miss out on easter because we'll bring the kids down for a candle lighting but they used to have this little candle lighting where we'd say god is love god is beauty god is joy god is is all of these beautiful qualities and you know what because god is we are there's nothing outside of ourselves that we need to search for. And I thought of a fun illustration of this the other day, and I hope it'll make you laugh a little bit, because it made me laugh when I finally realized what was going on. So, so my partner, Daniel, comes to church now and then, but you know what? He's a marvelous metaphysician in his own right. And something came up a couple months ago that I wanted to share with you. Well, he lost his car keys. And for any of you who have lost like a big ring of car keys that has house keys and business keys and I mean he, you know, he works in a variety of dance studios and he probably had 25 keys on this ring. Well, first of all, it's bad enough, right? He's locked out of his car for one thing. So I get the phone call, can you come and bail me out? You know, I, I don't know where my keys are, but the car's are locked tonight. <laughs> and, and so f- there's the immediate crisis to begin with. But then if you're like me, even just the thought of having to phone all these people and say that you lost the key to their business and things like that, and then making copies of all of them. I, so I was a little frantic for him, but I'm noticing Why is he like so calm about this? I'm like, why aren't you upset? My gosh, just the phone calls alone could take all day. He said, well, I'm not going to phone anybody. I said, what? (laughs) Excuse me? What? He says, well, they'll turn up. And I thought to myself, they'll turn up. And my initial reaction was, well, only in your little irresponsible world (laughs) will they turn up. Only in your world where I make the phone calls or where someone else finds them. And I said, "Don't, don't you think that's a little irresponsible? And he says, I've never lost anything in my life. Occasionally, I can't quite put my finger on things, but they always turn up. And do you know what? By the time I had picked him up and brought him back to our house, there was a message on his phone to say, I've got your car keys. And I was also remembering the time that he lost his wallet. He lost his wallet maybe about a month ago and he had the same kind of a plum about it. I said, "What about your credit cards?" And he said, "Well, it's not really lost, you know, they'll turn up." And the same thing happened. A restaurant called him and said, "We have your wallet." You know, you should stop. And of course it had all the money still in it and I mean, I'm shocked, but am I shocked? He knows that his good is always with him in a way that I had forgotten. He knows that something that he owns in his heart, that he accepts as being his and of his use in his heart and his mind, all it can ever be is temporarily out of his sight. Because the ownership is still there, the utilities are still I mean, the fact that the keys weren't there didn't mean that those keys wouldn't unlock those doors anymore, right? And yet that's kind of how I was behaving as though, oh my gosh, you won't be able to get into things. They're gone forever. And the reality is only gone from his temporary sight. This is a huge lesson. Because this is true about everything, everything everything that is important to you. If you own in your heart and in your mind, if you have something close to you and you know it is for you and has a use for you and it is you, you will never be separate from this. And it's true if you think about the loved ones in your life. It's true when you think about your physical possessions. It's true when you think about anything that's important to you. If you own it, if you accept it fully in your heart, it is simply for you. You don't have to strive to, to get something that's gone. When things are lost, they're not really lost. Do you know what I mean? So often I think we spend our time trying to find our good as though it's trying to get away from us. And the reality is quite the opposite. If we can feel our good, if we can sense our good, if, if we have that mental equivalent that I talked about last week in our hearts and accept it, it will do everything it can to get into our life. And I like to think about... When I'm not quite satisfied with my life, not that I have to do anything, not that my good is somewhere else, but rather I like to think of it as just being in the next room. Do you know what I mean? It's that idea of I'm watching TV now, but I know the snacks are just in the next room, (laughs) right? And when the break comes, when the break comes, I'll go claim my... They're already in the refrigerator. I know they are. I can't see them right now. But when I'm hungry... When I put the the TV on pause, there they'll be. Not in my sight, but absolutely at my command. This is the way I'm beginning to look at life. I learned something important from my partner. Why would I worry about the loss of something that I really can't lose? So next time you're working on your mental equivalents like we talked about last week, don't think of them as a yearning. Don't think of them as something that you patently don't have but wish you did, because that will tend to keep them at a distance. Even if your mental equivalent is clear, even if in your your own mind you have great clarity around what it is you want to experience, if you have that sense of, and I don't have it, (laughs) what you're really doing is emphasizing the lack. We're going to talk some more about that in a minute. The next thing that Sharon read for us was, we believe that the universal spirit, which is God, operates through a universal mind, which is the law of God, and that we are surrounded by this creative mind, which receives the direct impress of our thoughts and acts upon it. We believe in the conscious control of conditions through the power of our mind. Well, for those of you who were last week, you know that's the law of cause and effect, that thoughts become things. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, other than I think a joke. Would be appropriate. So, a grandma and a grandson are on the beach. He's playing in the water. She's standing on the shore. All of a sudden, a huge wave appears from nowhere, and it crashes on the very spot where her grandson was waiting. The water recedes. The boy has vanished. Well, Grandma gets on her knees and begins to pray. She creates a powerful mental equivalent of the grandson playing right back on the beach. She releases all worry of his absence. She fully accepts that he has been returned to her. She expresses her gratitude at his safe return and concludes the prayer with, and so it is. Well, a voice booms from the sky. All right already. And a moment later, another huge wave comes out of nowhere, crashes on the beach, and as the water recedes... There's this, the grandson. He's smiling, splashing around as if nothing had ever happened. She looks at the boy. She looks up at the sky. She looks at the boy. She looks up at the sky. He had a hat, you know. <laughs> and do you know what? That's actually the way it works. If in your heart, you can accept even down to the little hat details of what it is that you choose to experience in this life, it will be given unto you. And you can choose as much detail or not, as many hats or not, as you will. Sometimes we know exactly what we want, and those things are answered fulsomely in prayer. Sometimes we have a general direction of love or life that we want, and that can be answered fulsomely in prayer. And the idea here, of course, is anything that we truly can accept, anything that we can get our head around and have some alignment so that our, our beliefs, our ideas, our actions are in, in a good deal of Alignment so that the the false thoughts and the things that would stand to the contrary are, are ameliorated or moved aside to the degree that we can be clear about what we are to experience, we will experience it. This is powerful. All right, one more. We believe in our own soul, our own spirit. And in our own destiny, for we understand that the life of all is God. Gone are the days where somehow we think that that some other outside agency has, has planned our life for us. Do you know what I mean? In, in some religions, there's an idea that, that maybe some contract was made in a prior life around what we're supposed to do here, what we're supposed to accomplish here, or that, that, that only if I found what my, my true calling was, then, then life would be good. If only I knew what God wanted for me, then I could fulfill that. That's not what we believe. What we believe here is that you have complete free will. And you know what? It starts every day afresh. If you have created your life in the way that you love it, you can keep creating it that way. If there are little pieces you'd like to to tweak a little bit, if there are, are, are little rough edges you'd like to smooth out, if you want to experience more love or more light or whatever it is, you just change that mental equivalent a little bit. You reorient your thoughts as you would like life to be and to the degree that you can truly accept it. Because that, that's, that's part of it. You have to be able to say, yes, this is for me. There is nothing that stands in its way, and I shall have it. And if you believe, it will be done unto you in like measure. And let's say you made a mistake. I remember not too long ago, someone, I think it may have been a joke I did on Sunday, and the punchline was, be careful what you wish for, because you might just get it. But the good news here is, well, then start over again. There isn't anything that you can create using this power of of your own thinking, of your own beliefs. There isn't anything you can create that you can't create again, that you can't modify. Just start over. You have complete freedom. Now, I know some days it doesn't feel like that. I know that some days it feels like there's an inertia to your life that just won't stop that you've been moving down this path and although you'd like to like to take a different path it's like the guardrails are up <laughs> what you know what do i do about it i'm stuck in this life i'm here to tell you that the only thing that can keep you stuck in a life that you don't want is you there may be tough decisions to make there may be beliefs of unworthiness or or trepidness that are going to be devilishly hard for you to work on, but we know there's no devil. The only power on this planet is that power we talked about back in the very first belief, and it is a power that will simply always say yes to you. So when you say, I intend to have a beautiful life, it says yes. When, when you say, I want to experience more love, it says yes. It says yes to whatever you say, including it says yes to maybe the timing's not right. It says yes to maybe I'm not worthy of this new job. Maybe I'm too old to be in the relationship that I want to be in. It'll say yes, I'm afraid to all those things. Here it's back to that alignment. Here it's back to that mental equivalent, that, that collection of things like the what we believe statements that all are unified, that all hang together, that all work on faith in a positive and universal direction. And when our beliefs and our thoughts, when the dream that we want to have is that level of consistent that level of felt and contained and owned within our own heart and in our own mind, then the yes will be a resounding yes that cannot be denied. Because we're not having the extraneous thoughts of I'm, I'm too old or I'm not educated enough or, or those other crazy thoughts that are staying in the way of that dream that's already in your heart. I have a bit of homework for you. Last week, I asked you to begin the process of building a mental equivalent, a a very cohesive mental picture of how you wanted your life to be. So if you wanted to have more love in your life, your mental equivalent would contain those things that say love to you in some level of detail and that you would begin looking at any of your beliefs that would stand in the contrary or in opposition to what it is you want to experience to start working on those to start looking at them and see if they have to be true for you if there's something that you can put aside or or revision into something that would be more supportive if you wanted to do well That's not good enough. (laughs) There's the bad news for you. Because if it's still at the level of being wishful, hopeful, if it's still at the level of not being something that you really can accept in your heart, then it will be elusive to you. So the next part of your homework is to have it be like the snacks in the next room. I want you to think of it as already something that you experience. So if it's greater love in your life, I want you to imagine, and it may seem like you're kind of faking yourself out at the beginning, and you have full permission for that. I want you to imagine that what you desire, you already have. If it's more abundance you want in your life, I want you to feel rich. If it's more love that you want in life, I want you to feel that greater sense of love, that sense of connection to the people around you if it's greater, uh, I don't know, harmony in your family life or, or, or a greater job, I want you to begin feeling that you already have that experience. This will take it out of the realm of something that you would wish in an ideal world that you might have someday, and instead create a powerful statement of acceptance in your life right now. When God says yes, I don't want God to say yes to a dream that may happen someday when the weather's right and when the circumstances are auspicious. I want God to say yes to you today, just the way you want it. And if your dream requires a hat on it to be satisfied, I think that's great. (laughs) Let's have the dream include the hat, include every detail that you would have in your heart, but have it in your heart. Know that it is for you. Know that you don't have to do or be anything extraordinary. Know that you're not appealing to some distant God that, that, that who knows where this, this deity is. Because the answer is, the deity, the divinity is right here as well. As you know the truth for you, God will say Yes. And to the degree that we can be single-minded, simple-minded, unified in our thinking, the degree to which that mental equivalent of joy or peace or health has no opposing beliefs and thoughts, oh my gosh, you will be thrilled. The other thing that sometimes people ask me, they'll say, well, you know, I have all these kind of contrary thoughts. You know, I maybe have 20 or 30 thoughts that would tell me that relationships are difficult or that when I observed my grandparents, there was a lot of fighting or that that jobs are a great burden and that I can never get it. You know, there might be any list of beliefs that you have had. How do I, you know, how can I hope to... Well, there's two answers to this. One is... Thought by thought, you work on them. Thought by thought, you say, does this have to be true for me? Thought by thought, you say, well, that may have been the way that I was 10 years ago, but can I have a different way of thinking today? Thought by thought, anything that stands in your way of that perfect mental equivalent, you address it. But you know what? That might take a while. I also believe in a complete revelation I also believe that within our heart we can be so compelled, if you will, by the vision of a beautiful life, by that perfect idea. Just like, have you ever gotten a present that you liked the wrapping almost as well as what was in it? You just look at it and you go, this is... Is perfection itself and what's inside will just be like even more and I almost don't care what it is because how sweet that someone gave this to me how beautifully it's wrapped it's like it's like it's perfect and you don't even know what it is yet When you have in your life that mental equivalent that is all wrapped up with that same level of bow and perfection, you really can sense that this life that you're imagining, that this life that you shall have is exactly the way you want and it will be beautiful and you claim it and you are it, I think all of those other thoughts will pale in comparison. I think that anything that stands in the way isn't going to stand in the way for long because you have the passion, you have the energy, you have the that sense of completion in you that nothing will deny. All right, I've gone on a little too long on your homework today. Your homework is to simply take that dream that you were working on and make it as real for you as you can. Even if it requires a little fibbing in your heart. Even if you don't quite have it yet, then just say, well, it's in the next room, but it's still mine, right? I'll turn off the TV in a minute and I'll, and I'll go in and experience it. So, so that's the homework. Take that mental equivalent that you've been developing and continue with it in terms of ownership. I'm gonna close with a reading from Ernest Holmes and a prayer. He says, we are not only centers of God consciousness, we are immortal beings forever expanding, forever spiraling upward, forever growing in our spiritual nature. What transformations must ensue, what changes of consciousness must take place before this is finally brought about? Well, the finite has not yet grasped the infinite, but through the whisperings of divine intuition, we know that even though we now see as through a glass darkly, we shall someday soon behold reality in complete clarity. We shall be satisfied when we consciously awake in the likeness of that divinity which shapes our ends always. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one joy. I know it's infinite. I know it is the sum total of everything that exists, everything we can imagine. The entire universe, the multiverse even, is this thing that I call God. And what I know for sure is that that includes me. That I am an individualized center of this divinity, of this godness. And as it is true for me, it is true for each person in this room and beyond. Each person here, each person on this planet is part of the infinite. And because the infinite contains all the good, all the love, all the joy, all the peace, all the abundance, all the, all the, the sweetness of life... That means that I am the heir to that. That as I can accept it in my own heart, God's love is my love. God's power is my power. God's joy is mine to experience. God's peace is without limit and in my own heart. And so today I simply stand in gratitude. Gratitude for what we believe working in my own life. In gratitude for seeing the presence of God in this very room today, in the hearts and in the minds of the people in this room. And so with great love, I just let it be, and together we say, yes, and so, so it is. is. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for being here today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, We'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts,